Welcome to Ideas on Trial. I'm your host, Leopold Ajami, and I have with me my co-host, Ricardo Pinto. Today we conclude with our In Focus mini-series on conversations with a very challenging idea that we often take for granted. Our undisputed idea is that you should be a good listener. You can't really argue against that. But one of the problems with this advice is that it's too vague. So before we jump in into our discussion, I just want to remind you to enroll in our supersonic creativity course. It's an online course and, and a mentorship program, and you'll have access to our creative community. You can find the link in the episode description or by visiting our website, novelphilosophy.academy. All right. Hello, Ricardo. Hey, Leopold. <laughs> Are we running out of ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, have you been listening? <laughs> well, I mean, this is a crucial, a crucial thing that, I mean, so many people asked us about this, like, and asked me specifically, like, what does it take to be a good listener? And I don't think we have a, a full answer, but it's quite an interesting idea. And I remember back in school, the teacher would tell me, Leopold, you better be a good listener or listen carefully to whatever I'm saying. I, I really had no idea what to do. Like, should I bring in my ears closer? Should I open my eyes? Should I write down everything the teacher is saying? Like, really, like, what, what can you do? So it, we hear it everywhere, specifically when it comes to conversations and, you know, having productive meetings. But what can we do? First, what is this whole idea about, like becoming a good listener? Yeah, I was taught about it as an issue of the rules of a good speaker and a good listener. And that was a key one. You should be a good listener. Fine. I have no problem with that. But what do you mean? Mm. This is another of those things that were taught as an issue of good behavior, good morals that are so general that they become too trivial, I think. Yeah. And the issue is here, how can I be a good listener? What are the mechanics of it? <laughs> what is the how that I should follow? Yeah. I have no problem with the end, but how do I get there is the question, I think, that we should discuss. Yeah, because today. if you tell me you should be a good writer you usually have some kind of technical or concrete advice. You tell me, you know, you have to learn how to write an outline, you have to learn how to research, you have to learn how to edit. So, so there's all kind of different advices on how to become a better writer. But listening is very vague. Like, what should I do? Absolutely. I think, and if we think of conversations as a, as an, a skill, right? The, that exchange of idea. And even in, in the context you brought, which is a class of being a student. You see that this is not the common opinion that everybody shares mm. because it, it is assumed that you just plunge in. You just go to class, you just have conversation, you just have a debate and do whatever you can. You will improve eventually if yeah. you think it's something you should improve. But I think that's our core conviction here that it is a skill. 
it is something you can become better at and that's part or that can become part of that essential you your creative character if i can put it that way yeah i mean let us try to unpack what happens in the process so let's say you are in the middle i mean now we are in the middle of a conversation you're saying something i'm saying something but technically what we're doing is we're exchanging ideas so there's some kind of an exchange you have your ideas i have mine but at the same time i'm trying to grasp what you're saying so i can either reply to you on build on your idea or ask you a question in order to understand more right so that's yeah. the process and i think one of the key ideas that we were discussing is that we have to understand the principle of trade here that we're trading ideas mm. we're trading ideas and there's some kind of a currency and I, and one of the things i love about some formulation is pay attention like think about it pay attention what what, what are you paying for <laughs> like what's the currency right and so yeah. so let me ask you this what would be the currency of listening or of paying attention well i think it's mental labor mm. or to be more specific mental focus think about those conversations you don't pay attention to and that's a common experience for me some mm. people say that i don't listen at all but it's <laughs> not an issue of i'm not that i'm not invested or that i don't care for the other person it's when it happens is that i don't have a vested interest in whatever it is said now it is not that there isn't anything valuable in that exchange in that conversation but when i don't see what can i gain from that discussion then i close my mind <laughs> i start thinking about something else and this is a common experience i think in in a social setting in parties especially when you are meeting people who are not really from your social circle and they have other experiences other contexts other professional areas etc and sometimes you don't connect and you start even saying something to to make people laugh to make a good impression yeah. but you're not really in there and and i think that's the issue how can you make yourself or how can you will yourself take an interest in any discussion even if it seems to be trivial yeah well uh, I think here you you better be interested. So you, you can't will yourself if you're really not interested. And I guess one of the good contrasts. So I, I like the aspect of thinking of you, the currency is mental labor. But think about if you're having a trivial discussion, and let's say you're talking about the weather or something really very basic. You don't actually invest in mental labor. You don't follow a process of thinking and analyzing and trying to really grapple with the ideas you're you're on a, on the perceptual level somehow you're just reflective you just answer yes or no you just like it's 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 as if it's your subconscious that it's taking hold of your conscious mind you're not really invested in it and i think 
that's the opposite of saying, no, if I'm in an interesting conversation and I want to gain something out of it. So for example, now we are in a conversation and I think both of us want to gain something out of it, which is really understanding and challenging the undisputed idea. And at the same time, we have this third layer that we want our audience, our, our listeners to understand what we're trying to say. So it's it's like a, it's like a double effort because it's not only me and you, but we know that people are listening and we better make sure we're offering them clarity and we're delimiting our subject so that they can get what we're saying. So it's it's really it's hard. It's mental effort. But the second aspect, which is, I think, crucial, is the question of what am I gaining? So you have the mental investment, but also you have a gain. And when it comes to material things, we usually think about it. Like if I'm selling a product, it's obvious to me that I want to gain something out of it and that would be profit. But when it comes to spiritual values, we don't really or we rarely think about it this way. That I want to gain a spiritual value. I want to gain. So I'm investing in my consciousness and I want to gain something back. And it sounds a a bit crude if we put it that way. Although I think it's an issue of the cultural philosophical context in which we live. Because conversations and, and more broadly social relationships are supposed to be disinterested. Yeah. But... I don't think you gain, well, of course you don't gain anything from it, but I don't think there isn't any value in disinterestedness. Just as you put an effort on creating any product, any value, which you want to introduce in a market, you should be as aware of the mental labor you put in every situation, in every moment of your life. and. It should be a priority to you that you're investing time in this. I have 24 hours of a day. I'm probably going to see a bunch of people and I want to make the most of it. Yeah. I don't want to spend my day in a meeting that doesn't go anywhere. I don't want to spend it in a conversation about trivial things. No, I want my day to be exciting. Right. And that's why we choose, for example, at work to have lunch with that person we like because we share common values and not with another group. So I I think it's an issue of prizing your time. Absolutely. And look, I mean, marketeers and the social media, they understand that they're, you know, selling your attention and buying your attention. That's what they're doing. Right. But You need to be able to choose what deserves your attention. But notice the word deserve here. Like this implies that something must be worthy of your attention. And that's why I think social media spends a lot of money to attract people to stay in and to invest in their attention. And this, I think, is crucial for us to understand and to ask ourselves, Does this deserve my attention? How am I investing my time? And does it contribute to my whole? Does it contribute to my life as such? And that's why I, I don't know, 
but I became more selective in my life when it comes to conversations. And I would always try to open an interesting subject. And this is something that we discussed, I think, in one of the, or in many of the episodes, which is really taking ideas seriously. And I love that. And, I, and we keep on stressing that because it makes a whole difference. If you take ideas seriously, you take your life seriously, you take your time seriously, and then you start investing it in the place that will give you a return. And to go back to your initial point, we unfortunately don't think about it this way. But we have to be interested in ourselves. And that doesn't, it shouldn't be rude, right? Like it shouldn't be something immoral. It's actually the opposite. Because what you're gaining, for example, if you're having a conversation with, 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 with a friend, you're gaining more spiritual values to strengthen your relationship with your friend. So you're gaining understanding, you're gaining knowledge, and you're giving it back. And that's, I think that's crucial. This whole reciprocity is crucial in, in any exchange of ideas. And how do you think we can achieve that? Because it's not, I, I think we're not saying that you can extract value from every single conversation. There are some conversations yeah. that are hopeless or that are short due to the context. But think about, we started discussing school and assume that you're in a class that you have no interest in at all, presumably. How can you make yourself gain something from a conversation, from a setting in which you possibly don't see any value? This is a hard question because... The burden is on the, and in class, the burden is on the teacher to motivate you. But what I can say is, you know, what I would say is try to, try to look, because at school you have to finish your semester, right? Like you have to finish, you have to graduate. Like you have, you can't escape that. So I would say try to find an angle that would interest you and try to see how is that applicable to life. So if you're studying physics or mathematics or literature or philosophy, always ask, how will this contribute to my life, to my daily life? And bring the question to the teacher. Go and ask the teacher, okay, I learned this principle, but how can I use it in my life? And I think challenging the teacher sometimes if he's honest or she's honest, motivate them to come up with better way of teaching. But it's it's so hard. It's so hard to be interested in a subject. Yeah, I think you brought the essential issue and what I'd argue is the most important point for being a good listener and mm. the real mechanics of it, which is have a personal, juicy, sexy goal. Mm in any discussion you have. Try to define it. And just to give you an example in in this same context, which is classes, I was just telling you that I'm right now I am enrolled in a class about modern philosophy. But now we are in the 19th century. So we're uh, seeing German idealism. Fifth Schelling Hegel. Now, I don't know anything about these philosophers. And to be honest, I don't like them much. And I find them difficult. I find their ideas 
very rationalistic, out of earth, with no connection to reality. And I think the professor also sees that, that way. But here's the thing. I could either refuse to be a good listener, refuse to engage in the class, engage with the ideas, or I could relate them to my real interest. I will never become a scholar on German idealism. Mm. But I sure want to have something to say about the philosophy of history. And that's something that those philosophers discuss a lot. In the wrong way, I think. But my main purpose, my tunnel vision in that class has become how do these ideas inform their views of philosophy and history? So in listening, you're trying to identify a certain value to you and a certain relationship with real life. Yeah. So the mechanics would be like one, and correct me if I'm, if I'm deviating here, but uh, I think you have three steps that you can do while listening or to enhance your listening skills. The first one is is really to be engaged from a sensational level. And what I mean by that is you can't, for example, listen to someone in, in a loud place. Like that's that's the basic yeah. thing. But this is important. You have to make sure you really can hear and you're really engaged and awake and, and willing to listen from a, from a technical perspective, at least. So that's yeah. one. But two, it's a conceptual process. Like we were saying, there's a mental effort involved. And here, I think the two things you can do is to look for similarities and differences. So, for example, if the teacher is talking about or in any conversation, doesn't have to just to be in class. So if mm -hmm. like we've seen last week, a lot of talk about from the Met Gala, a lot of talk about taxing yeah. the rich. And we, we keep on talking about that or whatever. Ask what how is that like what's the difference between taxing the rich and not taxing. What's the difference between the rich and the poor? What's the difference between a rich person who earned his money and a rich person who didn't earn him? Like the, 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 the process of, of thinking about differences and similarities, I think is a crucial way of, of focusing your mind on a subject. Let me see if I understand you well. So the point is, assuming that the Met Gala is not of your interest. And I think that that yeah. was our experience. I was yeah. talking to you this whole week about the Met Gala and you, yeah. you were telling me, why do you care about it? Yeah. So assuming that the, uh, the gala or the event or the topic of a conversation is not of your interest, what you can do is to try to relate it or the themes that flow from uh, that discussion to real concerns of yours. Yes. Like, for example, okay, what, what are the messages that they are trying to show in this gala? What, what are uh, the basic philosophies of life that we see? I was thinking about, okay, what, do, what are they trying to express in the way they dress? Yeah. And then it's not merely a Met Gala, but something that we care about, which is a cultural phenomenon that's worth exploring. And this actually can transform a trivial conversation into something really productive and, and informative and, and fruitful. 
So when you are talking about the Mad Gala, and it can be just a superficial conversation, but if you're really listening, you wouldn't let it go, let it pass, right? Like you, you would ask a question. Oh, so did you like this dress that says tax rich? What exactly did you like about it? You know, how's that, how that look like in your life? Like you, if you applied that principle. So always like looking for similar similarities in your life and differences. Now you're invested and the other person also might be more invested to explain and show you what they mean. Right. So that's that's the second part. And so we said sensational, conceptual. And the last part, I think, which is crucial to listening is action. And I don't think you can train your listening without taking some sort of mental action, like asking questions, uh, observing the world around you, engaging with others, writing about it, trying to oppose it or trying to find different arguments around it. I don't think you can develop your listening skills if you don't do that, right? I think it would be so hard because it's not something that you do listening and immediately you're a better listener. It's something you build step by step. But how do you build it if you're not exerting mental effort and putting putting questions and argument on, on the table? Yes, I would summarize that point and this is my formulation, you might be wrong, as being restless. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in opposition or on guard to the ideas you're discussing, but it does mean fostering your greatest level of curiosity of not letting any question go away from the discussion but trying to do something to motivate you to really sort through the ideas we discussed. Would you say that yeah. that would be an alternative characterization of it? Uh, I mean, absolutely. Like to give you a very quick example, a uh, couple of months ago, I was attending a workshop on creativity and someone, the, the speaker gave a definition, a kind of a definition of uh, creativity. And I wasn't convinced, so I asked in the q and I, I asked a question, and the answer didn't convince me. And so by the end of the workshop, I followed the speaker and kept asking questions, and asking questions from different angles and different perspectives. That's one meaning of being restless, because I really wanted to understand. I wasn't convinced, I'm still not convinced, but you know, I just I just invested. This is a topic that interests me, and I went back home and wrote about it and and tried to see the different angles. And I think the next time someone says something in front of me or define creativity, guess what? Now I have different angles because I already did the work, and I think yeah. that's that's how you build it. Yeah, and to spiral back to our point of how does this help you become a better listener? Well, I think that this is a, a philosophical point. A thing to consider is that in order to be a good listener, you need to be disciplined in your selectivity, Yeah. right? And you cannot expect 
to gain or to remember everything from the conversation, whether it's a class, whether it's a trivial discussion about the weather, or whether it's another context. This is why the point that we stress having a personal, juicy, sexy goal, an investment in the conversation is crucial because now you're setting your mental frames in which you will direct your listening capacity, yeah. right? And to go back to, to our example of the class, if you are in class and you take notes, it would be a bad policy to try to take a transcript of what the professor says. You yeah. wouldn't learn anything. Now, if you have a goal and if you're restless about that goal, that goal and the questions you have, your notes will be more selective. You would go to the essentials as shaped by your, your interest, but also if You know, if uh, this is something I sometimes do, if you find the class worrying or you think that everything's wrong, write those questions, <laughs> write those questions in your notes, because then you, you will have a, a means of remembering where the discussion went and how it relates to what I know. Yeah. And when you write the question, always think about why you're asking the question. And an answer like, because I'm interested is not enough. I mean, you need to understand what's in it for me to know the answer. And this will develop your selectivity and will enhance your, your mental investment that we're talking about. So, all right. So I, I think we reached our, our time, but I want to, I want to just recap this because I think it's, it's, it's really powerful and important. The idea that listening, to think of listening as a kind of a trade, a spiritual trade, and you're investing and you're expecting something worthy in return for this mental coin, as you put it, that you're investing in. I hope you are gaining something from investing a mental effort in listening to a philosophy podcast like ours. And you're really gaining something out of it. And we'd love to hear from you. So please don't forget to subscribe and share the episode with your friends. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.